Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Matthew. Today, we're going to continue our discussion of the United States M2 money supply. All right. So this one will be pretty simple. I just want to show you the components of M2 in totality. Uh, do check out all of our prior videos for the breakdown of each individual money supply that is below M2, uh, as well as the non-M1 components that make up M2, which I'll illustrate again here in a second. But uh, you remember the way that these various M's, the aggregate M's, the M0, M1, M2, etc., work? Uh, again, Paul Volcker and a lot of the uh, early economists at the Fed in the 50s and the 60s started to build out these modern type fiduciary monetary curves. And as we've shown in the last few videos, I just want to again uh, build out the stack here just so it's crystal clear. This is the consumer facing or client facing stack of all money that exists in the United States except, of course, for a small, small portion of basic money or the monetary base, which we will get to. But this is basically every account that you can think of in any bank, uh, as well as some non-bank entities. So to kick it off, again, we have M0. Okay, that is not the monetary base. Some countries like the UK and South Africa do refer to the monetary base as M0, confusingly, confusingly. But that is not the proper way to define M0, the way that makes the most sense. So M0 is simply all physical cash that is issued by the central bank, and it is outside of bank vaults. M1, and remember this is cumulative here, so M1 is simply M0 plus all site deposits or demand deposits in banks. M2 is M1 plus other retail type deposits or retail type monetary instruments. And M3 is M2 plus other institutional type deposits or institutional liquid monetary instruments. And again, some nations even use M4 or L or other type of a broad uh, liquid monetary curve. Uh, the United States used to calculate L, but it doesn't anymore. Uh, so we're not going to calculate an M4 or an L curve here for the United States. And bringing it back to our live chart here, uh, we've seen this before. You're looking at here M0, M0, or all physical cash that's issued by the central bank, as well as coins, which in the United States' case is issued by the treasury, not by the central bank. You put them together and you get this physical cash outside of banks, M0 curve. $28 billion, January 1959. You see it increased after the global financial crisis, really increased here after the COVID pandemic. And we have $2,200 billion of M0 money as of December 31st, 2022. That is $2.2 trillion of M0 money. Now, let's add on M1. Here is M1. We've shown this curve before in prior videos. Basically, the light green portion of the graph here is demand deposits or site deposits. That's the classic economic term of what a of what a demand deposit is. Okay? And you see that 
demand deposits with stimulus checks and with all of the uh, corporate bailouts and corporate stimulus that was received from the Treasury during COVID times really exploded, really exploded from the COVID pandemic. After even growing, people wanting to put more cash in banks after the global financial crisis. And remember, as we build out the M1 curve here, this is the total value that I'm showing you in the tooltip. So we see that the total value of M1 uh, exploded from being about $5 trillion on the eve of the COVID pandemic to uh, almost $10 trillion, $9.5 trillion uh, today, as of December 31st, 2022. Uh, but the site deposit or demand deposit component of M1, that is represented by the light green portion. But this graph, remember, this is unstacked as opposed to the last graph we just looked at, which was stacked and showed all of the non-M1, M2 components. This is unstacked. So you see the total value of M1 to get the total value of site deposits or demand deposits. Remember, site deposits is the classical economic term for a demand deposit or a checking account. You would need to subtract M1 from M0. So nine and a half trillion minus 2.2 trillion, roughly $7.3 trillion in demand deposits as of December 31st, 2022. So this is M1. And now we're going to show you total M2. And there it is. The total M2 money supply. Uh, we started out very, very small, as you can see, in January 1959, as these aggregates were being compiled by the Volcker crew and many other economists that were uh, working on these, these curves for the modern, the modern era of central banking and banking. Um, $290 billion total M2 value, January 1959. And then as we move up the curve here, you can see fairly consistent looking growth here, at least on a linear scale, uh, until of course we get to the COVID pandemic again. And then you see the explosion, which is primarily an explosion of demand deposits, checking account balances, uh, to where we get to December 31st, 2022, total M2 as calculated by the Federal Reserve, $21.36 trillion. Now, uh, again, this is a non-stacked chart, so I'm just showing you the totals of each curve. You can see this is how we build it out. Uh, M0, then M1 includes everything that's in M0. Um, and again, if you want to get the non-M0 portion of M1, you have to subtract, uh, as we showed, that $9.5 trillion from the $2.5 trillion. And then if you want to get the non, same thing for M2 over M1. If you want to find the non-M1 portion of M2, you have to subtract that $21.36 trillion minus the $9.5 trillion to where you're getting roughly $12 trillion of non-M1, M2 money. And do check out uh, the immediate prior video uh, to this. We broke down the non-M1 portion of M2 and what was the vast majority of accounts that were a part of the non-M1, M2. They were retail-type savings deposits. Retail-type savings deposits. So, again, here you can see that the M2 curve, remember, it's typically retail, retail-type monetary instruments. 
And of course, when we get to M3, we will add on institutional type monetary instruments. But that rule is not hard and fixed. You will see that there's definitely some overlap. And of course, if we only look at M1, let's take M2 off. This is demand deposits for both retail and institutions. So corporations, companies, small businesses, large businesses can have checking accounts. They indeed do. That's included here. And let's put M2 back on now. Uh, again, this is this is the way that these monetary curves have been built out, primarily from the Fed economists in the 50s and the 60s, working on this, uh, getting banks to report their different types of accounts, deposits in this way. Uh, and all nations have followed suit. Uh, pretty much every nation in the world, almost every nation in the world, except for some communist nations, uh, Vietnam, China, don't do such great reporting. But... It's basically every nation in the world will break out their different uh, monetary liquidity type curves in this fashion. Now, let's look at some percentages here to see what is what. So let's put the right axis on here to show the breakdown of components. And let's take off M1 versus M2. And let's actually take off M1 as well. So here we have uh, a breakdown to show you just the physical cash component of M2. And we did this same breakdown in the M1 video. Now, when you look at M0 versus M2, you can see it's even smaller. You can see it's even smaller. So the black line, look on the right axis now, is the percentage breakdown of all physical cash that is outside of banks versus all M2 type deposits, which are bank liabilities, which are basically inside of banks. When people think that they have uh, money or their cash balance at a bank, it's reflected in the light green shaded area. Be that checking, savings, retail type money market mutual funds, retail type time deposits, so on and so forth. So what is the breakdown of that percentage? It's actually been pretty consistent Interestingly, we see that way back here in January 1959, $28 billion of physical cash and coin. M2 was roughly 10x that number, $289 billion or 9.8% physical cash. And as we move through the years here, we see it dip down a little bit below 8%, actually get uh, below 7% here in the 70s. So cash is actually falling as a proportion of total uh, M2 money, which, which, by the way, as we know, the majority, what's another name for the majority of this money in M2? You can use all the different terms, demand deposits, site deposits, savings accounts, time deposits, etc. But actually, the all-encompassing term for this type of bank money is called fiduciary money or fiduciary media. So fiduciary media here at the end of the 70s, start of the 80s, is 93% of the monetary stack. So 93% of the monetary stack here, getting close to 94 even, 93, all the way through the 70s and the 80s, is uh, not, not physical cash. It's checks, savings deposits, time deposits, so on and so forth. Now, we do see cash grow here. It grew a little bit more in the 90s, gets back above 10%. Uh, or above 10% really for the first time. 
uh, all the way through the 2000s as well. Physical cash is growing, as is uh, fiduciary media. Still staying at about that constant 10%. And then we get to the global financial crisis. So as you can see here, a lot of people like to blame the global financial crisis on fractional reserve banking. But as a proportion, as a proportion of cash outside of banks versus cash inside of banks. And when I say cash inside of banks, I mean fiduciary media, which apparently causes the bubble. You can see that as a proportion, uh, it's been the same. It's been as low as 7%, under 7%, a little over 10%. But it's 10% of cash. And remember, this is not the reserve ratio. We will look at that separately. This is not the reserve ratio. We haven't gotten there yet. This is not even the ratio of physical cash in bank vaults to checking deposits. See a prior video for that. This is just simply looking at the proportion of physical cash versus fiduciary media. You're roughly looking at a 10 to 1 split. 10% physical cash for every dollar of uh, total M2 money. And it doesn't really seem like there's anything there to have caused the bubble of the global financial crisis. And I would contend that there hasn't been. The global financial crisis was clearly caused uh, by different means, by different means. And then, of course, a big change does happen here. And here we get uh, we get a massive explosion of demand deposit money. But the percentage actually doesn't change that much either. Let's zoom in. Uh, it actually seems like it might on the curve, but it doesn't. Um, still around. It was about 11% just before COVID cash to total M2. And then it's fallen down to about 10%, little under 10% uh, since the COVID pandemic. So actually what we can conclude there is the rate of growth of cash, both physically and digitally or ledger-based checking accounts, savings accounts, so on and so forth, they have all increased. They have all increased at roughly the same pace since the global financial crisis and especially since the COVID pandemic. Okay, so that's M0 versus M2. Now let's look at, let's take M0 off. Let's put M1 back in, take this percentage off, and let's put M1 versus M2 as a percent on the chart. Now this one is a little bit more interesting, a little bit more interesting. Might tell us something about the global financial crisis, though I would contend it doesn't tell us uh, much. Remember, we're now looking at M1, which does still include that physical cash, but it also includes site deposits or demand deposits. Uh, versus M2, total M2, which again includes M1, but it also includes this other retail type deposit figure. So what's the percentage of M1 versus M2? Well, it started out in 1959 at 60%, 59%, 58.7%. You can see even the seasonality here. Again, remember, uh, after the harvest, typically, but during the holidays, we can say, as it gets more uh, modern and we have less farming, so on and so forth. Uh, late fall, October, November, December, uh, the demand for cash balances increases. And it seems that uh, checking account activity also increases during this time, because again, remember, site deposits are included here. Uh, you can see that seasonality each year, that bump. But what do we notice, obviously, with this trend all the way through the Nixon shock, the end of the gold standard in any way, shape or form? There's no longer a dollar exchange standard or a gold standard that's tied to the dollar in any way. Bretton Woods collapsed here. Uh, what do we see regarding M1 
versus M2, we see M1 is actually falling as a proportion of M2. And this went all the way through the savings and loan crises here of the 80s, uh, just before the 90s, it, it changed, the trend changed. But basically from January 1959 until about 1990, mid-1990, let's say, early 1990, uh, the lowest point seems to be roughly here, roughly somewhere here, 22.7%. 22.7% uh, M0 plus demand deposits versus M2, okay? So again, what does that mean? That means that there are many more people that are taking advantage of savings accounts, time deposit accounts, uh, money market mutual funds from a retail perspective than checking accounts. People are searching for yield here. And remember, Paul Volcker uh, skyrocketed interest rates, even the Fed funds rate to 22% here around 1980. Uh, so interest rates were very, very high, but people kept money in higher yielding savings types instruments all the way here through uh, 1990 to where it changed here in the mid 90s. So the boom of the internet, interestingly, we saw uh, checking accounts uh, and remember, it's not really such physical cash because we just looked at the physical cash ratio, the M0 ratio. We, we can't really attribute this bump to physical cash. This is more to site deposits, to demand deposits, to checking accounts increasing. So checking accounts are now increasing. So we're back up to 30%. Still not nearly as high as a majority checking accounts to total M2 money uh, in 1959. Still only half that, only half that here in the 90s. But we do see an uptick in checking accounts uh, with the start, the dawn of the internet age. And then they go back down again. We see still more retail type savings accounts accumulating, uh, increasing all the way to the global financial crisis to where checking accounts, demand deposits are only 23.9. Very similar level to the mid early 90s uh, number here, 1990 number basically. On the eve of the financial crisis, checking accounts we're only 24% of M2. So again, if there's a narrative that it's fractional reserve banking, which has only to do with the checking account, the demand deposit account, if it's the narrative that that causes all of the booms, all of the busts, we can at least conclude here uh, from the global financial crisis that that's a false narrative because checking accounts as a proportion of M2 money, which is all retail type savings and monetary instruments, it's only 24%. It's only 24% the total. And then after the global financial crisis, people do get more concerned about their money. They've all been increasing as we've seen M2, M0, M1. The proportions have been roughly the same, although we do see demand deposits or checking accounts actually increase a little bit more. And as we know, there's no interest paying here at all. Uh, very, very small amounts compared to the 2000s, compared to the 90s or the 80s, for sure. Uh, so demand deposits have increased here because again demand deposits are free you get online banking services checking accounts so on and so forth and if you're not really getting any yield from a savings deposit or a time deposit or a money market mutual fund why would you leave your money there probably you would go into stocks or some other type of an investment so we do see uh, more people go back into 
checking accounts here. And then, of course, the COVID stimulus, all of the stimulus checks, all of the stimulus that the Treasury uh, gave to both businesses and consumers. And again, there there is a small business component here in this demand deposit jump. So it's not all retail. It's not a, a pure break when you look at anything under M2 as retail versus institutional, which is an M3 primarily, M3 money, there are institutions in this, uh, let's take this off, in this dark M1 component. Absolutely, there are institutions here here uh, included. Let's put it back. So what happens uh, during the COVID stimulus? You get a jump in demand deposits versus total M2 money to where we were about 30%, which was still only half of the demand deposit ratio in 1960. We come after the COVID pandemic, after all the stimulus and demand deposits have jumped up to really the highest they've ever been since the 60s, since the era when we had a gold standard in some way, shape or form. It wasn't a really strong gold standard, but nonetheless, we had it here. Uh, And we've always had a gold or silver standard, by the way, before 1971, always, always, always in every single monetary system. Uh, We're back to levels from the 1960s kind of interesting the proportion of demand deposits as it relates to total m2 money is 45 percent so these are pretty interesting ratios i would say let's put m0 back you see how small cash is there let's put the ratio of m0 versus m2 to see it all and If you break it out this way, you can start to see, hopefully, some of the differences, some of the influences of maybe why there was a crisis, why there wasn't a crisis. Uh, And then I think I'll conclude with this video, just again, a reminder here. Uh, The banking system is a totally monopolized system. Unfortunately, you nor I can easily go out and start a bank, start collecting deposits, making loans. We just can't do it. The banking system is probably the most if not one of the most regulated sectors in the world all in the name of protecting the consumer of course but if you look at this dark dark green area okay it's it's represented by the dollar symbol you see where my mouse is uh, over it right now the dark dark area represented by the dollar symbol that's m0 that's physical cash outside of banks that's actually the only direct money supply that the state controls in this stack the only direct money supply they do regulate the amount of reserves uh the reserve ratio other capital ratios which we haven't gotten to yet we haven't showed you yet we will uh which is primarily a function of site deposits or demand deposits um which is included here in m1 which is represented by the circle shape in this chart Uh, but really the state only controls so even though they do control some of those ratios and those ratios by the way mostly went away in the uh, COVID pandemic because there was so much cash that was gonna be coming into banks in the form of checks and stimulus checks, so on and so forth from the treasury that they realized the reserve ratio would blow out and it did. So they canceled the reserve ratio here uh, in March and April of 2020. Nonetheless, you see that if you look at the very, very tip top total, even if you go to the, 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 the peak here, which was in early 2022 of all stimulus, we're still at 10%, 10%. Look at that M0 versus M2 number in the tooltip. 10% state basic money, cash and coin, versus total M2 money, which is primarily 90% fiduciary media or bank money. 
It's not free market bank money for sure. It's not free market money, but there is a market component at least to this 90%. Only 10% of it is state-backed money, state money. And if anything, the demand deposit component of the money supply, which supposedly for those that really don't like fractional reserve banking or don't acknowledge that it's just banking, and it's just the market function, which we've had for hundreds of years. We'll get to that. Uh, it's just, if anything, it's been going down. The trend has been going down all the way to the global financial crisis, where it's only about a quarter of total M2 money. And that's and when I say a quarter, that's M1. So it's even less. If I showed you just site deposits, it would be even less. Because remember, M0 is included in that. You can subtract there. So it's 15%, 14% only demand deposits here to where now it is back a lot more again, 44%, subtract the 10% of uh, state cash basic money out, we have about 34% here, which is not as much as it was here in the 50s, or if you subtract 10, you'd have about 50% of demand deposits here in uh, the 50s and the 60s. Here we have 35% demand deposits uh, out of the total monetary retail stack, which is represented by M2 in this chart. 35%, roughly 34-35% is demand deposits. So if anything, right now, we have the highest proportion of demand deposits uh, that we've ever had in the last 50 years. You know, you'd have to go back 60 years to find this percentage. So let's see what happens now as far as booms and busts, so on and so forth. But at least as far as the global financial crisis goes, demand deposits were close to their all-time low here. Only 13, 14% of the monetary retail M2 stack. That's it for today. Thanks for watching.